Luke 19, uh, begin, beginning at verse 28. After he had said this, that is Jesus, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany on the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent, departed, and found it as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. God's word for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in 2009, my wife Nicole, my younger daughter Olivia, and I stood on the porch of Nicole's grandparents' house in Millbridge, Maine. It's February, it's 5 p.m., and it is dark in Millbridge, Maine. Because Millbridge, Maine is a tiny fishing village in Washington County. Uh, Not far from Dexter, where our youth group is planning to go. And, hearing what you've already learned about Dexter, it may not surprise you to know that Washington County, in which the tiny fishing village of Millbridge, Maine is located, is, for decades, has been among the poorest (coughs) counties in the United States. And Nicole and I, and her two daughters were there uh, because Nicole is from there. And so her family, uh, they, they were, her family, her grandparents' floor <laughs> was where we landed. When in 2008, the Great Recession took almost everything from us. Nicole and I were church planters in Indiana completely funded by the denomination. We had managed to gather 25 people in our living room to worship, to have Sunday school every week. But one day, a denominational leader came to us and said, the money's gone, we can't pay you anymore. 
So there's no unemployment insurance, unemployment insurance for ministers. We, each of us were substitute teachers, so we had that income, $65 a day when we could get it. We packed up everything we, it, that we could in our cars and just drove to Millage. And so there we found ourselves, standing on the porch in the middle of February. Tourists are nowhere to be found in February in Millbridge, Maine. They have gone a long time ago. But we were cheering. Why? Because the Millbridge Tigers' fifth and sixth grade girls basketball team won the championship. And in Millbridge, Maine, that is something to celebrate. It was. And what, why I'm sharing this story with you is because that experience of having so little and yet being warmly welcomed by this small, struggling town. There was such a feeling of joy and of solidarity to it. For the people of Millbridge, when we landed there and said, we're on, well, we're substitute teachers and we have nowhere to go, they weren't like, well, that is uncomfortable. <laughs> they were like, come on, join, join the club. We're all struggling here. And we're all celebrating. We're celebrating that we have each other and that we know how to survive. And I imagine that is, a, that is that feeling of we have each other and we know how to survive. That feeling is part of what I imagine that crowd who gathered on Palm Sunday for this improvised bit of street. You know what I forgot to tell you? The whole thing, we were standing cheering because there was a spontaneous parade. There was a victory parade through the town that the fire engine led through the town, beeping, flashing the lights, and, and people got in their cars and drove through the town back to the school to celebrate the victory of the fifth and sixth grade girls basketball championship. And so that sort of spontaneous parade celebrating life, survival, hope against the odds, was, I imagine, part of what was going on among those crowds that spontaneously were cheering Jesus on that Palm Sunday morning. The Gospel of Luke, as, as Jillian kind of pointed out to makes it clear that Jesus' ministry was among the poor and the marginalized of the world. At the start of his ministry, Jesus goes to his uh, hometown place of worship and reads to the congregation from the prophet Isaiah, 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is this year. Even in your circumstances uh, of oppression, whatever form that might be, this year is the year of the Lord's favor. And so this is what Jesus says at the beginning of his ministry, and then he spends three years doing just that. And by the end of the three years, he, is, he has a reputation. Uh, he is known both by the marginalized and oppressed of Palestine and also by the powerful. And those two groups are there to greet him when he approaches Jerusalem. And of course, the poor and the marginalized, the people of Galilee, a rural area in Palestine, right, are there waving palm branches and shouting. And Jesus' opponents, the, uh, the, the, the elite, the powers that be, are there to say to Jesus, make them stop, quiet them down. They are disturbing the peace. And how does Jesus respond? No. It can't be stopped. I'm sorry. If these were to be silent, the stones themselves will cry out. Even Jesus can't stop them. Why? Because this movement is God's movement. And if it's God's movement, no earthly power. And stop. All right. The um, Palm Sunday uh, wasn't entirely unplanned. Luke makes it clear that Jesus had something in mind whether through divine foresight or simple prearrangement, Jesus tells two of his disciples to go ahead and requisition a donkey for Jesus to ride this last part of his journey. Why? He has walked hundreds of miles from Galilee for this Passover pilgrimage. Why would he need transportation at this point? Well, because this parade that Jesus was leading, like all parades, are meant to communicate a message. They're symbolic. The, you know, any sort of message, whether it's town pride, or protest against injustice, or simple celebration. And in this case, the donkey is a reference to the ancient prophet Zechariah who wrote, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, and shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious. Humble and riding on a donkey and on the coat, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is saying both to his followers and his opponents that he is the king Zechariah prophesied. 
This is where it gets tricky, however. What kind of king is this Jesus? The crowds think they know. Jesus is a leader who will raise an army that will destroy the armies of occupying Romans. They imagine Jesus' victory will mean a defeat of their enemies. Maybe they had forgotten, or perhaps they didn't hear Jesus' teaching to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Perhaps they didn't quite grasp that Jesus didn't intend to lift up one group of people by putting another group of people down. Jesus' victory isn't a victory over anyone. It's a victory for everyone. Jesus' goal isn't to raise himself up. Jesus actually is bringing himself low. His intention isn't to defeat his enemies, but to walk willingly into defeat so that his former so that former enemies may have the opportunity to become friends does that make sense <laughs> it's important because that's what it means to lead a love movement. Last week, Monday, April 4, was the 54th anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. King died by an assassin's bullet because he dared to live the life that Jesus lived. He walked the path that Jesus walked. And just as Jesus knew he was risking his life by making what would turn out to be his final journey to Jerusalem, Dr. King also knew that he was risking his life by leading a love movement, a movement for justice and civil rights in this country. In what would turn out to be his final sermon at his home church, Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Dr. King actually talked about his funeral. This was two months before he died. He, he knew what was in store. He talked about his funeral and how he wanted to be remembered. He said, I'd like for somebody to say that Martin Luther King Jr., tried to love somebody. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. And I want you to be able to say that day that I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try 
in my life to visit those who were in prison. And I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. I won't leave any money behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. But I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I have to say. As we consider Jesus' message on Palm Sunday, as we consider Dr. King's example, I wonder if we can build a love movement right here at First Church. I wonder how we can create a congregation in which we can face the difficult challenges of our time in a way that speaks the truth in love. I wonder if there's a way that we can have difficult conversations about oppression, injustice, in a way that doesn't create winners and losers, but in a way that invites all of us to take our place alongside and among those cheering crowds who shouted Hosanna, save us, Jesus. I wonder if there's a way that we can shift our relationship to our community. The name First Church carries some baggage. I know we don't know each other well, but I've served other First Churches. I've served First Churches that are older than this First Church. So I have a sense if what my past experience has any relationship to this place, that sometimes we confuse first with best. As more worthy. So how will we resist this temptation? How will we join the parade? Dr. King ended his sermon at Ebenezer Baptist by reciting the words of his fav famous favorite hymn. 
uh, if I can help somebody. And rather than trying to share it with you myself, um, I'd like to invite us to uh, hear this version uh, in this video.
They crucified Jesus. And God raised him up. They shot King down. And countless others have risen to take his place. Why? Because there's no stopping the love movement. Because the love movement is God's movement. Amen.